Hey, it's Leah, and welcome to the Homeschooling for the Rest of Us podcast. I am so stinking excited for you to hear today's podcast. I had no idea that sitting down with my friend Holly Putnam would lead to my brain firing on all these different cylinders when she left. She literally left an hour ago and I am sitting here completely inspired, completely moved, and just feeling like there's another mom who is like me and understands me. And she just gave me so many new thoughts in this conversation. So I'm really excited to jump in with you and for you to hear what Holly had to say. Okay, I am here with my friend, Holly Putnam, and I know Holly from church, and I'm so thankful that we got to meet, and um, I asked her to join us today because she has a family of eight, you guys, eight children, and my first impression of Holly was actually not Holly, it was her oldest daughter, and we were waiting to get into a um, church picnic, and she bounced up, and she was so personable, made eye contact. And I always notice kids like that. And I always want to know, I want to know your parents, <laughs> your parents, because clearly they're doing something right. So I have Holly here. Holly, tell us a little bit more about you. Well, hi, I'm so glad to be here, Leah. And thank you for having me on. Um, I, we have eight children. My husband is Philip, and uh, he has his own company. And then we have eight children. Our oldest is 19, Abraham, and he is um, newly launching and um, he's working full-time and uh, getting started in AV, like my husband is, in media. Um, and he is also planning on going on a world race mission next year. So he's working on that. And then Rachel is my oldest daughter. She is about to turn 18. Um, she's very excited. And she's um, uh, she loves Joel Salatin and all things like regenerative farming. And um, she work, we have a little trip in December to take her over there for a little tour. So we're very excited about that. And that's what's going on with Rachel. Abigail is 16 and um, she's doing a lot of babysitting. She has, she has the really bubbly, joyful personality. Um I'm not sure if that's the one you talked to or if it was Rachel. I'm still trying to keep up it's with okay. all of them. It's okay. There are a lot. <laughs> and then Elijah is 14. Um, he is the silent type. So in our house of homeschooling, if I'm not really intentional with him, he can just fly under the radar. So I have to be really careful with that. Um, so we have six girls and two boys. Okay. So I should have said that at the beginning. And then Miriam is 12, um, kind of preteen wants to be one of the older kids, is often considered one of the younger. She's a really middle-middle, um, so that's been a struggle. Um, but she's also very driven, has a lot of projects she wants to do and finish and is very persistent with that. So that's a great thing um, to, that we're working on channeling appropriately. And then um, Hannah is nine, just turned nine. And she is um, very fun, bubbly, likes to tell jokes, kind of dramatic, um, can be dr dramatic. She's learning how to do chicken chores by herself and manage those responsibilities. And then Lydia is seven. And it, no, she's not seven yet. She's six, only six. She kind of acts like a seven-year-old because she is a born helper and kind of a boss. And she's always been the town crier. Like, um, if anything happens, Lydia is going to tell you and she's going to share it, whether you wanted her to or not. She kind of tells all the news. And then Esther is, uh, 22 months. She's a toddler and toddles around making everyone laugh. She's kind of a ham. I love so, it. I love very it. Fun. So you, you literally have every, every age range completely covered. We have, completely got covered. It covered. Okay. So eight children, like, let's just be honest. I would think that a lot of people with eight kids would probably welcome an eight hour a day break by <laughs> sending their kids to school. I'm going to assume maybe. Um, so what, what led you to the decision to homeschool? Like, did you know from the very beginning with your first, that was the route you were going to take or did something happen that kind of triggered, this is the direction we need to go. 
Um, I always knew that we would homeschool um, partially because my husband was homeschooled. So he's an, an adult who was homeschooled and that's kind of unique. Um, so he was very committed from the beginning. And so was I, um, I did some reading. Um, he gave me some books to read that kind of exposed some things about the education system that was like, okay, I'll, I'll homeschool. Can you give us a couple of those titles? Well, one of them was called the TEA, or maybe it was the NEA, National Education Association, Mm -hmm. Trojan Horse in American Education. And it exposed how um, the teaching methods that they were prescribing for children were actually making them not able to read well and basically dumbing down the population. And that was probably written in the 70s, maybe 80s. And then another one was a Thomas Sowell book, which I can't remember the title of, but anything you can get your hands on that's Thomas Sowell. He's amazing. Um, he, he's an amazing thinker and um, helps you. It, he just brings great issues up that you can um, learn about kind of what's going on behind the scenes on a higher level. Um, so. I knew we wanted to homeschool and I've loved it from the get go, but there definitely are days like you were saying where I've dreamed of having that eight hour break. And wouldn't it be so amazing if I could just put the kids on the school bus and say, see ya. And then I could get all the things done. And, um, but honestly, as I have thought about that temptation, basically, um, and talked about that with my husband. It's like, you know, honestly, it really would not be easier. The kids in my neighborhood um, get on the bus at 640. They don't get home until about 430 off the bus. Um, They're gone so many hours of the day. And um, there's so much. I think that we are deceiving ourselves as Christians if we believe we can undo sending our children to the government to, to, um, instruct them all day. Mm-hmm. And if we think we can just, um, we can undo all that in maybe two hours. Cause if, if they get home at four 30, they're not doing any many or extracurricular things. And then you still have dinner baths, getting ready homeschool. I mean, homework mm-hmm. and the, the night is gone. Right. Um, so if and it takes so much time to have conversations with my kids who are homeschooled. Um, there are heart issues going on with them and, and if they're gone all day. You can't even see those heart issues. Um, I know that people try and I know that people want to, um, but it would be, it would be really a tough challenge to undo many hours, especially with eight kids. Right. And I love that you talked about the deception side of it, because I do think sometimes, especially if you're a newer homeschooler, it's, you have a hard day. And, and I remember being guilty of this when I was, and I don't want to say guilty. It's a normal feeling. It's a normal feeling to this day where you have a hard day Mm -hmm. and you see your friend who's posting their picture of their cute little girl with the bow going to school. And you're like, I, (laughs) I would love it to reclaim an eight hour day. But I think you're so right. And then you have those conversations and you realize what you, you know, this is about who our kids are growing up to be as citizens and Mm -hmm. young adults and having that extra time. There was something I read, I got to get the statistic, but it was like you reclaim 160,000 hours with your children by homeschooling. Wow. Yeah. And that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. So I love that you said that. I also want to highlight that Philip was homeschooled because I don't think I knew that. And so again, I'm an observer of people. And so Philip owns his own business, mm-hmm. which I want to point that out, owns his own business. He's also a very effective communicator. I heard him speak recently at a city council meeting and I text messaged you and I said, your husband for president, like he was just so well spoken. And so I think there's this taboo thought that, oh, homeschoolers are behind or they're mm-hmm. not, they're not social. They're not good communicators. And I have found that to be further from the truth. Homeschoolers right, know how to critically think. They know how to communicate. A lot of them grow up to be very strong business owners. Mm-hmm. And I love that he had the confidence to, to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really, really awesome. 
Okay, so you homeschooled from the beginning. Your husband had the background. You did not. So did you grow up in a public school, private school? What was your background? I was totally public schooled, got on the bus at 640 every morning. We did get home about 3 or 3.30. But when we did extracurricular activities, um, we were gone even longer. And I have thought now as I'm homeschooling my own children, and we we moved out to this area um, on land about three years ago. And we have uh, a dairy cow, chickens, a sheep, a dog, a bunch of kitties. Um, but my mom always had chickens. I grew up out in the country. My mom always had chickens and she had a milk cow. And I've thought, why didn't I know that chickens put themselves to bed at night? Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't know that in my reflection as I've thought about that now, because my kids take care of all the animals. I have realized that I was in my own world, paying attention to my own stuff at school, not in the home. My mom was just home doing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel sort of robbed in a way, Mm -hmm. like, oh, wouldn't my life have been so rich if I could have been home? Homeschooling was not anywhere on my parents' radar. No one did it where I grew up. There may have been one really weird family, (laughs) but- it was basically unheard yeah. of. Everyone just went to public school and yeah. that was all that there was to it. So I feel like you just said that reclaiming 160,000 hours. I feel like I'm reclaiming that with my children yeah. um, from what I missed. Yes. Yeah. I, I so resonate with that statement because I, as we're learning things, like my son's very much into government and um, this last year was when I kind of had to come to Jesus myself because I realized that I knew nothing about how local government worked or, you know, I mean, the basics, our president, our vice president. Mm-hmm. But if you were to ask me the leadership of a city or I, I couldn't tell you that and I felt kind of stupid. And and then I realized, no, when I was in public school, I was given a two page spread on what that looked like. And then I was tested on facts that I was supposed to memorize but there was nothing gained from that. And so just like you, I'm diving in with my son and I'm learning alongside him. And it's, it's, it is redemptive in a way. And I feel like I'm redeeming things that I didn't have as a child that now as an adult would have really served me. So I think that's the other beauty of it is that we are learning alongside our kids. Absolutely. We are teachers, but we are also students for sure. Absolutely. That is truly one of my favorite things is watching the delight as they learn things. Um, And then the contrast from knowing my own self I feel like public school just took all the curiosity and interest out of me. And I see my kids' eyes light up. And I don't remember feeling like that as a child and really wanting to delve deeper. I like you were, you just said you were given mm-hmm. some information and then you had to regurgitate it. There was no curiosity in there, no room for your interest, right. no room for you to discover and have the wonder and joy of learning. Um, and I feel like that is so, mm-hmm. such a wonderful thing about homeschooling is getting to experience that joy in our kids. Yeah. And also they learn. prolong things too. I mean, you've probably seen this in your family where one kid doesn't just want the two pages. They want to keep yes. going and what's supposed to be this <laughs> one day lesson turns into like a two-year passion. Yeah. Have you seen that with any of your kids specifically? Oh, absolutely. Um, when we uh, moved out to the country, mm-hmm. providentially by the hand of God, the fall before COVID hit, mm-hmm. um, we got chickens right as COVID was hitting. And I have often thought and joked in my head and with other people that my now 12-year-old daughter was basically raised by the chickens <laughs> during those COVID years because she was so interested in the chickens. Mm-hmm. She basically just spent so much time observing them and it, and um hanging out with them, watching them, taking care of them. And then when she wasn't doing that, she was like researching on internet or reading books from the library about chickens. So and she's, she's the just, chicken lady. She's the chicken lady. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> she loves them. Okay. So let's let's transition a little bit um, because I know people are going to want to know this. There, There's a picture in their head of you and eight children. Um, so what does a typical day look like? And I also would love for you to touch on, cause this is a question I get all the time. What do you do with the baby? You're trying to do a lesson. What, especially like at that one to two year old, two year old age where like you, they're into everything. Mm-hmm. So what does this look like? What does a day look like? Okay. So 
there has been quite an evolution between the me of, let's say, let's just say 10 years ago for a nice, easy number, but maybe even 15. Of course, 15, my oldest would have been only four. So really probably 10 years ago. Um, I've always had a toddler in the mix. I've always had a baby in the mix. Our largest gap was five years, and that's before this baby. Um, So there's never been a time when I've been like all my kids were big. So there's always a child to take care of. And at first, when I was with my older kids, the ones who are older now, I resisted. I fought it. I wanted the baby to be like confined over here. Everything perfect. We're all sitting at a table and doing it. What looks perfect in my mind, whatever that false expectation is. And um, I feel like I've reached a point now where I'm not trying for that anymore. Mm -hmm. It's okay to have the baby just sitting on my knee while we're reading. Um, She can wander around here and there. We basically have um, a comfort level with the things that are in her house. It's not certainly not hundred percent toddler proof, but um, we're, we're comfortable with her hanging out. She's a free ranger. She's a free ranger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she's with the other kids. She, they, um, yesterday, my little girls were doing handwriting and um, Lydia, the one who's kind of, uh, she's six, gave Esther a piece of paper and a coloring, colored pencil. And she was, she even wrote Esther and the date on the top (laughs) and gave her something to do while they were doing handwriting. And I was there helping them tweak their handwriting and improve it. Um, So we all, take turns helping her, playing with her, um, corralling her Mm -hmm. if she's where she shouldn't be. And she has blocks and things that she can play with, dolls, a baby stroller. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's really part of what we do. And I would encourage um, homeschooling moms with the little one around to embrace the little one being there. Don't try to resist and feel like you have to do something with this kid who's like an annoyance instead embrace that baby Mm -hmm. embrace the um the -hmm. baby is the lesson a wise mom um back in my history you know back in my past homeschooling experiences said to me when I had um I think it was maybe my sixth and she said the baby is the lesson the older children learn to serve another another human being. They learn the value of life by having that child there. Um, They learn to teach the other one. Um, So avoid, like help, uh, learn to stop resisting that perfection and that perfectionistic mentality and just embrace having the little one there, find them something handy to do that they won't, you know, hurt themselves doing. But Embrace them being there and embrace your older children reading to participating with the little ones. What I love about what you said is um, it's almost that begin with the end in mind. I feel like even like not even being super conscious as you're saying, like you're saying this, but you're setting your kids up for this is the expectation of family and you're modeling to your kids. This is how you mother. This is how you father with a heart of being patient and not having an unrealistic expectation on a little, a little baby who Mm -hmm. is curious and wants to get into into things. And I think, especially with the youngest ones, I see this with our youngest. She just wants to be one of the big kids. That's all she wants. And I feel like she almost learned faster because she would model what they would do. So I loved how you shared that they would, that they'll write her name. And we've noticed that with Reagan too. She just wants to do what the others Mm -hmm. are doing. One of my favorite pictures that I have of Kennedy, I was homeschooling Lincoln and she just needed something to do with her hands. And she was probably two at this point. And so I remember I was just desperate and I found a coffee can. I put a slit in it and all I had near me was Kotex pads. And she's dropping <laughs> Kotex pads through them and it kept her busy yes. for hours. And she went over to step them out and she would do it. And that and I called that her homeschool. And so mm-hmm. for weeks we had this coffee canister with pads that she would do her homeschool with at like two. And it was fantastic. But I um that. but I love that you said that. So 
So your younger girls, you're working side by side. Are your older kids a little bit more independent? Are you doing anything as a family, like any subjects as a family? What does that look like? Um, a few years ago, we um, pulled out of all external homeschool groups. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I kind of felt pulled to do more of a one-room schoolhouse. And um, that's been kind of still evolving but we are all doing history together. What curriculum do you do for that? We like the good and the beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, my older, my teenagers, high schoolers are leading that. And I get to be basically a participant. Okay, wait a minute. That's brilliant. Okay, so the older kids are leading the class. You're there to observe and maybe throw out questions mm-hmm. or help, but they're in charge of it. Yes. That's brilliant. Okay, tell me a little bit more about that. Okay. So, um, well, the good and the beautiful is pretty pre-packaged right. and we kind of needed that for this season. And um, so the older ones just organize it. They um, get the activities, they gather the kids together and, okay, we're going to do this. And it's been really, really great because the older ones get to share with the younger ones. Mm-hmm. Um, the younger ones see the older ones leading. And like you were saying, all the younger kids want to be older. I think that's a God-given gift, even though it makes it hard sometimes, that we all are trying to advance on our journey and not just stay where we are. We don't want our kids to stay the maturity of a six-year-old. And I think there's so many messages in that that you're sending to your older kids too. You're saying without saying it, I trust you. You're capable. You're responsible. So I love the underlying messages that, that send your older kids. Um, because I think that builds a lot of trust and they'll take ownership. And when you take ownership of something, what's that saying? Um, the things that which you help create are successful. So like if they can have a role in it, instead of you just dictating to them, yes. they're going to have more ownership and pride in it. And it's probably going to stick better Absolutely. than if you just read it to them. So I love that. Okay. Um, so what time, what time are you all done? Like, what is timing? Like when do you guys start? Do you have a hard start? (laughs) Okay. So our, my goal, and this has been a a change too, because I've always struggled. I really struggle with time management. Mm -hmm. How do you get everything done? Mm -hmm. How does it all flow? Um, so for a little while, I feel like there are so many different seasons. And as soon as you kind of reach a stride in one season, something changes, you have a baby or even when you're pregnant, um, it's so hard and life's different. Um, your older kids moving out is a change of season that we're still kind of, it's kind of like a bumpy road to get used to and the things that that one did. Now we all are trying to fill in where, where he's not doing anymore. So all these things are just the, that what's that saying about the only thing that doesn't change is change or death and taxes. taxes, (laughs) Right. But there's always going to be change. And I think for me, as a recovering perfectionist in my mind, coming to terms with the fact that seasons are just constantly changing. There is not going to be a perfect day, a normal day, because even even within what is sort of a normal day, somebody's going to hit their head and cry right in the middle of a lesson or right while you're trying to cook dinner, you know, all those things just. So as moms, we have to be at peace within ourselves and with all the crazy that can be going on around us or else we're just going to constantly be in a a fight or flight stress mode. And I feel like I'm trying to walk out of Mm -hmm. being in a lot of stress and angst all the time. Mm -hmm. It's helpful for me to even say that Um, because I, I don't want to be constantly on the verge of exploding. Yeah. And I have been, and there are still days when I am, but I'm trying to um, embrace the fruit of the spirit that is love, joy, peace, patience, Mm -hmm. kindness, Mm-hmm. gentleness. There have been some ungentle words that have come out of my mouth and I don't want to be that mom. Yeah. Um, and I know that one of the roots of those is wanting perfection, wanting everything to be just right on this schedule. Yeah. Um, so that all that to answer, what time do you start? 
So lately my goal has been, if we can start by 10, Mm -hmm. if we can eat breakfast at eight, have the kitchen cleaned up, think about what's for lunch. Um, And then we've been doing a lot of gardening. um, A lot of farm work, outdoor work has come with living in the Mm -hmm. country that we didn't have really (laughs) on our little 10th of an acre. Um, and any other random stuff that needs to be done and including, um, housework, try to get that done between nine and 10. And then if we can start Mm -hmm. school at 10, go strong for an hour and a half, have lunch, Mm -hmm. um, and then pick back up at about one Mm o'clock and then we always have rest time. Mm -hmm. And that looks a lot different now than it did when my children were very young, Mm -hmm. um, and I've had to kind of let go of some perfectionistic ideals of an entirely quiet house. We do get a lot done during that time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's so good and so it's important, true. but there's still people mm-hmm. happening, life happening yeah. during that time. So during this time, are your older kids operating more independently and you're working with the littles? Yes. And Nowadays, then- the um, the older ones are fairly independent. Um, and it's been really great to have partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, history and science lend themselves very well to doing all together I agree. as a family and um, and the older ones teaching the younger. Or um, we've had a couple of um, high school levels of science where the kids are partnering together and studying together, kind of like study buddies or yeah. something. Um, and that's worked really well. They encourage each other, uh, spur each other on, keep each other accountable. Like, Hey, it's, mm-hmm. we've got to do our science, do our, they did, um, chemistry and biology and physical science, um, that way. And that's been really great and very beautiful. Also a little challenging because you've got your different personalities, right? One slower than the other. So they have, so I think as we're raising our children, we want them to, learn how to interact with people and their siblings are the training ground for that. So my, my daughters um, just finished a year of, they were working on, I think it was physical science together. And one of my daughters is very accelerated, fast, efficient. And then the other one is more slow. And um, so they both had to work with each other's personality Mm -hmm to get the job done. And, um, Rachel found ways of, um, making her time feel useful while she was waiting on Abigail, um, and for them to study together. It was, it was great. It was kind of an iron sharpening iron situation. And that's real life. Learning how to work with people that don't look like you. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. Such a good skill. Um, Okay. So, and do you use, do you use all good, the beautiful curriculum? No. What, what's your We're mix doing, look like? Um, we've, we have been classical conversations. Mm-hmm. We were for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I really love a lot of the things that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with my elementary kids, we're still doing memory work and um, memorizing timeline, memorizing that stuff. We do with the little ones, we do handwriting, mm-hmm. um, math, And with math, we're working on drilling a lot of numbers, kind of prioritizing that over the book work. Mm -hmm. And then, and we, for math, we do teaching textbooks right now. That's working really well for me. I was finding it overwhelming to grade every math. And um, so teaching textbooks Mm -hmm. does that for me. The jury's out. It's only our second year as to how great it is or not. Yeah. Yeah. but they're doing right now. It's working right (laughs) now. It's working right now. And so history is the good and the beautiful language arts is the good and the beautiful, but I'm in, I'm still having inner conflict because I loved IEW curriculum and the essentials grammar Mm -hmm. from CC. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm still trying to do that with my essentials age kids, which is, um, nine, 10, 11, 12, fourth through sixth grade. Okay. Okay. And my kids are all learning Spanish on Duolingo. Yep. Mm-hmm. I do not necessarily endorse every <laughs> piece of content on there. Okay. So. But they're all, loving Spanish. And earlier also, I wanted to highlight, thank you for being vulnerable about 
just when you've lost patience, because I also think that, you know, as homeschool moms, when we go to get our homeschool inspiration, we'll go to Facebook or Instagram and everything is so perfect. And you see people with these homemade garlands and these, what and all the things. And you're thinking, I just screamed at my kids over uh-huh. a math problem uh-huh. um, that I know they understand, but they're, you know, whatever. And, and so I love that um, part of your strategy recently has been just to be more relaxed in your homeschool. And, and that's such a bigger picture way of looking at it. And I think that's so healthy. And I really try to reframe for myself when I feel myself losing that patience. I really have to think, you know, in 10 years, is this math problem or this language arts lesson really going to matter or is how I handled this and how my children are seeing me, me respond during a stressful moment, what's going to be more impactful. Mm-hmm. And I really have to check myself. And that's been really helpful to almost kind of self-coach myself through those moments um, because it is hard and you have this expectation in your head that I think society has just created. It's very unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Like I would love for them to pan the camera over because there's probably like a whole yes. pile of junk. Oh yeah. When I'm taking photos, I'm like, oh, let's just go a different angle where there's not a bunch of junk. I can only move one thing to make it look better. Yes. Yes. Um, We have a quiet time too. We try try to do it between two and four every day and no one naps anymore. We probably should, but um, we just, we read books or everyone just does their, their quiet thing. And Mm -hmm. it's just, it's a nice reset for our house because we are together all the time. My husband and I both work from home. So we're all, all together. So it's nice to have that. So I like that you talked about that too. Okay. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about those hard days. So like when you have those days where no one is cooperating, I don't know if the full moon, if that means something, (laughs) I I haven't really charted it, but no, um, but you know what, like, do you scrap it and just say, we'll start tomorrow? Like, what do you do when the day is just not happening? I think it's really great to have a, basically a skeleton, um, absolute essentials mm-hmm. that have to be done. And then if, if things are off the rails, you can, you've done a sufficient amount for that day. And, um, I, believe that all children do well playing outside. That is anytime everybody's kind of in a mood, it's like, oh, go outside. And they all come back happier, more refreshed. Um, And if we can even take something outside to do or go do a job outside. Um, And I know when you're living in the suburbs, that takes a little bit more effort. But back when we lived in town, we would go to the park. Mm-hmm. We could walk over there. The kids could get energy out. Just being outside, I feel is so helpful, even for the baby. Yeah. The atmosphere basically changes. We keep misquoting people, but there's, there's that saying, <laughs> there's that saying. It's like when your kids are being crazy, give them, it's like water, nature, and maybe food. Or yes. something. I don't maybe know that, that could be. Yeah. Water, food, and nature. I remember one time everyone was just at each other's throats. It was probably a February. Uh I feel like this always happens in February. And I just looked at everyone. I was like, everyone get in the car, get in the car right now. And they're like, and I blasted an audio book. We went through the Wendy's drive-thru and got frosties Uh and we drove around for an hour listening to Charlotte's web. And that cured the day. We came back and we, we finished our lesson, but I think you do have to change it up sometimes. And I think also remembering, and this is for me, I have to remember that my kids are kids sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes I have the expectation that I would have on myself or my husband. And I have to remind myself they're children, they're in training. Yes. And I can't expect them every single day to show up how I want them to show up because that's not how they're built. Right. And even if they were sitting there absolutely looking perfect on the outside, there could be a heart issue even going on inside of that. So I feel like our hearts mom's heart, the children's hearts, those, those things being in order are in the, in the eternal scheme of things so much more important than that math problem or the definition of a noun. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get caught up in all those academic things, but I think if we will consider the subject content as kind of a vehicle for Mm -hmm training that character and, um, 
ours and the children's, mm-hmm. um, then I think we'll, if we can have an eternal perspective on it, it, go, it, it honestly goes so much better because like you just said, how I respond right now, there is an eternal nature or an eternal consequence to how I'm going to respond right now. And am I going to respond in my own flesh mm-hmm. or am I going to live by the spirit? Yeah. Um, my mother-in-law who homeschooled my mm-hmm. husband and his brothers, there were three boys said that early in her homeschooling career at church, they had a group of homeschool moms and they got together for a little retreat or a meeting. And um, they had a, made a banner on the dot matrix printed. Remember when the paper was all connected yes. and it, yes. it would print a long banner of eight and a half by 11 connected sheets. And it said, homeschooling changes character yours and it was for the moms (laughs) and she has often repeated that to me um that this is also about our journey as believers and um are we going to have our kids set apart from the world are we going to walk with the lord and trust him that he's given us these children to train to raise up to love him and um and are we going to let it refine us too even though it's so hard yeah it is and i think on those days i often have to reframe i'm a big fan of reframing so when i start to think like everything is falling apart or this day is horrible <laughs> i really have to take a step back outside of my own world and sometimes i have to like walk outside and I have to default to gratitude. Like, thank you, God, that we're in a position that I can homeschool. Mm-hmm. Thank you that we're financially able to homeschool. Mm-hmm. And thank you that um, I get to change uh, the generational, do I call it a curse that my family, my family was very dysfunctional. And so knowing that what I'm sowing today is is changing for my kids yes. from a different childhood that, that I had had. Um And so it is hard. Nowhere is it written that it's easy, Mm -hmm. but I think it's also a privilege and an honor. And so when you view it that way, I think that that helps me get through those days. I love that. You know, you just have to have a different perspective. Okay. So speaking of the hard days. Okay. So I have three kids and my name is not mom. My name is mom, 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 mom. (laughs) Um, So I can only imagine with eight, how much you are tugged on and needed and all the things at every hour. So, you know, sometimes like my husband, he knows when I say I'm going to take a bath, it's actually a five hour event. (laughs) And I I literally I'll strain it and refill it with warm water. And I am in there for five hours and I read a book. Um, so what do you do to recharge it? Do you get to recharge at this stage? What does that look like for you? Um, actually I would say at this stage, I am experiencing a lot of fruit. Um, I feel like I'm in a sweet place because back when, when my fifth was born, um, who she's now 12, when she was born, my oldest was seven. Wow. He could barely make a peanut butter sandwich and load the dishwasher. That's a lot going on. That's a lot going on. And that year was overwhelming when I had her as a newborn. Um, And so I feel like those hard years were then when they were all little. And I see a mom now who has young, young children like that. I My heart goes out to her because that's a hard, hard stage. Um, And I... I really could barely leave the house. And now I have a lot of freedom because my older kids help take care of the younger ones. I just um, got to spend a night in a hotel with my husband last night. He was flying through hometown. And um, so I got to go spend that night and had no problem leaving my older kids with my youngers. Um, Because you've got adults in the house. I have adults in the house. (laughs) It's fantastic. Such a blessing. Um, you asked what, what I'd like to do to recharge. Yeah, What do you do for you? Um, I really love going for a walk, although I don't do it often enough. Um, every now and then when I'm about to explode, I'll huff out the door and just go for a kind of a power walk. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it changes my mood. It allows me to express. And I've been having some of my younger kids do that when they're about to explode. Go outside. Uh, 
and maybe I shouldn't name names, <laughs> go outside and take a walk and yeah. they come back so much better off. We have a lot going on there. You've got vitamin D hitting their skin. Right. You've got their endorphins going. I completely yeah. agree with that. Um, and, and, um, my older daughter, she'll go like on a prayer walk where mm-hmm. she'll just pray and cry out to the Lord, which I'm like, oh, thank you, God. This is awesome. Yeah, that's awesome, really awesome. awesome. I love that. Okay, so this is um, a little off topic from homeschooling, but selfishly, I wanted to know. Um, so Holly, you guys, she also has a YouTube channel. I'd love for you guys to check it out. It's called The Cooking Family. You can find it at thecookingfamily.com too. She's on Facebook, Instagram, all the things. And you can see her beautiful self and her beautiful family. And her husband has an epic beard. Everyone needs to go comment <laughs> on his beard. It's the best beard I've ever seen. Um, but I I want to know, I mean, with inflation, a lot of families, I know my grocery bill, it's hard to keep it under $200, mm-hmm. where last year that was not an issue. So how do you strategize groceries, meals with growing kids what is your what is your plan? What do you do? Do you okay. guys buy a cow? You have a dairy cow. Well, we finally do have a cow. <laughs> we have a dairy cow. Um and we have a a beef one that we're raising for beef. Mm-hmm. His name is Sirloin. <laughs> and he will soon go into our freezer, which we're really grateful for. Um I but we've always been on a tight gro- grocery budget. Mm-hmm. Always always. Um, and you know, the whole Dave Ramsey beans and rice, rice and beans that kind of goes through my head. But, um, I, um, I feel like I'm pretty good at putting together a good nutritious food on a budget. Um, one of the things that we love to do is, uh, buy things when they're on sale, Mm -hmm. buy things when they're in season. Um, Aldi last year, I stocked up on beans, literally, because um, Aldi doesn't have beans year round, or at least not all the ones. And, um, and that's been great to have that on hand. So another, another part about stocking up that is saving is that you don't have to run to the store all the time, right? Just to get that one thing. Um, So we, we do eat a lot of beans, we eat, um, we make our own bone broth. Mm -hmm. So my budget way of doing chicken is my husband brings home rotisserie chickens from Costco. They're five bucks each. And those have not gone up. Those have not have gone not up. Gone I'm up. like, wow, this $5 yes. that I'm giving them is worth, like it's cheaper now than it was sort yes. of relatively, if that makes yeah. sense. Because, um, so keep on doing that. And, and we, when we get those home, everyone joins in all the older kids. It's about time for the youngers to start joining us, but we pull the meat off the chicken. We chop it up and we put it in Ziploc bags. Mm-hmm. It goes in the freezer. So now we have, um, like we'll do, I think we get about six quart size bags for, a, for a family of 10, mm-hmm. um, in the freezer and it's pre-cooked diced chicken. So it can right. go in anything. So it's great for your budget but it also saves you so much time. It's like a great prep cooking step. So does he literally come home with like 10 chickens? Well, well at Costco, see. they really frown on him for taking more than four. Well, maybe he should just have a picture of all the kids. On I the know, show. right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so he usually brings home four and then we tackle them. Okay. So we kind of have to do that about every three weeks. Okay. Um, And then we put the bones in the freezer Mm -hmm. and use those to make bone broth. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you're buying bone broth, but it is ridiculously expensive, especially, um, especially if you buy the organic kind, it's like $6 a quarter. We also make our bone broth um, because we raised our chickens last year. Uh So we raised 50 meat birds. Oh, awesome. And so we make our own bone broth and it is such a huge savings because bone broth, especially just this time of year, the colder season, use it in everything. Yes. And so those of you that are not big cooks, it's, it's the easiest thing. Don't let it intimidate you. If you have an instant pot or a crock pot, you can make bone broth. Oh yeah. It's so easy. Do you have, do you have like a, on your website, something on how to make bone broth? Oh yes. Okay. We have a, um, there's a specific post about making bone broth and we have a video. So if you're intimidated about doing it, we show you exactly how to do it. And we have it down to where, um, like the six-year-old can put in, actually, she specifically hasn't done it. It's time for me to make her. When you have a lot of kids, it's easier to ask the older ones to do stuff. Um, but a six-year-old can put all the things in. Mm-hmm in about 
five minutes at the most. And it's so much better for you too. It doesn't have all the extra additives in it right. and preservatives. It's really good for you. Yes. Um. So I love that. Okay. The chicken thing is brilliant. I'm going to have to go buy some chickens now. Well, we still have yeah, in you've our got freezer. your ones in the We're getting in down. The We're getting down. Um. Okay. So, so you do the chickens. Do you do, and so here's the other thing. So I went and kind of stalked Holly a little bit before this and looked at her cooking family page what I love is that you're on a budget, but all of your meals look like an experience. Can you kind of talk about that for a minute? Because like, it doesn't, I understand you're eating on a budget, but the way that you guys like plate things and the variety and you're making things, it looks like your family is having an experience every meal. Oh, that is so awesome to hear, Leah. Um, I, I feel like my whole thought process doing the cooking family our heart is that families would eat together, enjoy meals around the table. It is such a golden opportunity for you and your children to connect as a family. They feel a part of something. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a huge thing that our culture is missing today is everyone feels isolated. Children feel more lonely. Teenagers feel more lonely now, statistically, when you read research than ever before in history. And I think it's because they're a lot of, I mean, if you look at the culture as a whole, they're sitting behind a screen. They're trying to be like, and look like other people be accepted. And when you are at home around the table, gathered with your family, you know, you are part of a group. Um, you have your people. And I feel like that's such an important thing, but in order for us to achieve that goal of the family around the table, you have to prepare the meal ahead. You have to be able to do it. And so many of us are lacking the skills mm -hmm. to, um, chop up an onion, make bone broth, um, cook anything. There's so much prepackaged things available that we just get into the habit of that. And yes, that is better. Um, it's great. It's fine to eat that meal around the table with your family, but it's not budget friendly mm -hmm. and you're not really learning a skill that will serve you for life. Um, buying the whole food ingredients to make them are always going to be a more budget friendly way to do it and more nutritious for your family. So it's like so many reasons mm -hmm. to learn how to cook, learn how to chop an onion. Children can chop an onion. It so takes about it, five minutes. So you are not in the kitchen cooking. It is your entire family. Our whole family does it together. So that's the other thing. I feel like our culture, again, is seeking things for their children to do. Experiences. Um, sports. And I'm, mm -hmm. I have nothing against doing team sports, doing ballet, doing all these things. But I feel like we have such a pressure from our culture to find all these things to do. Meanwhile, we're driving through the drive-through. We're not eating together as a family. And if we will just step back, we can enjoy being in the kitchen side by side with our family. And um, we learn a skill. Our children learn the skill. And this skill will serve them for life. It will serve their family. It will serve their grandchildren. Too. I love that. Yes. And um, my son, I said, he's the silent type and flies under the radar. Um, he loves to cook, but uh, I love being there next to him and like working side by side because he will sometimes open up and talk about things when we're next to each other. Where if I just tried to have a, hey, let's have a conversation. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. But if we're next to each other cooking Maybe I'm chopping up uh, carrots and he's chopping up onions. Um, he might start opening up and telling me about his friends and what's going on. And that has been such a fruit that I wasn't expecting mm. that has come from cooking alongside with my family. Gosh, I'm taking away so much from this. I'm already thinking of like, I need to not be the only one cooking in the kitchen. Like I have the kids, you know, for special events or like Thanksgiving, they help. Or like, I would mm -hmm. say I'm a seasonal but the fact that you're doing this every day with every meal, and I'm sure you have crazy days where you have to throw it together yourself, mm -hmm. but there's something really beautiful about that. And I'm reminded of um, when I went to Italy years ago, my uncle had married this Italian woman. We went to visit him and we went to our family's house for dinner and dinner started at three and we were done at midnight. 
And it wasn't because we were there. That's what they did every day. That is what they did every single day. A couple cousins would leave at like seven to go to work and then they would come back. And, and I remember it was just a ton of laughing, Mm -hmm. a ton of singing, dancing, music, different courses of food. I remember at one point her dad going into the garden because he decided he wanted to get everyone escargot. And so he was, he had a snail farm and he was getting the escargot and, and just picking it off fresh and then frying it right there in their outdoor kitchen. And there was just something really beautiful about that. And people wonder, you know, if you've been to Italy and you see the culture and you see the people, it is very much family oriented and Mm -hmm. there's a connectedness. It's not just see your family at Thanksgiving. It's you do life together. Uh And so I love that you're creating that because that's going to follow them into adulthood for sure. And then not to mention your kids are going to be, I mean, brilliant cooks, but when they're 18, they're going to have so, so many great (laughs) skills. So, I mean, that's pretty incredible. And it's a fabulous reward as a mom because, so I love to cook. Um, and I feel like that's why that was on my heart to, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, now I have to be really intentional because otherwise my kids will cook all the meals. Yeah. But that's such a blessing, yeah. such a blessing. So and now I can come cook over when here it's if they want. You can, if you're tired of them cooking, they can come to my house. And, you know, for the moms listening and you're like, I can't cook. Um, my mom had a chronic illness growing up. And so we did a lot of fast meals. I was a nineties kid. So we had the microwave stofers mm-hmm. almost every night Um, and so I had to teach myself how to cook. And so I want to encourage you. Don't let that be a limiting belief. Don't let that be an excuse or, you know, oh, I just can't cook. You can, you just have to learn. And Mm -hmm. so all of us at some point have to learn. Some of you were able to do that as a child. Others like me, you had to learn as an adult. And so it comes back to what we said in the beginning. You learn alongside your children. Mm -hmm. I learned how to make sourdough last year, two years ago with my son. We did it together and it's a great memory that Mm -hmm. I have. Um, so don't let that limit you. You don't have to be some you know, chef to be able to make this happen. So absolutely. And, um, our cooking family YouTube channel actually has videos on there that show you step-by-step exactly how to do the whole process of several of our recipes. Um, like there's Italian sausage lentil stew is one of our family's favorite meals. And we show you how to chop the onion, how to chop the carrot, how to chop the bell pepper, all those things. We show very much how to um, for you and your children. So you can watch that alongside, you can cook alongside those videos. And so that we hope that they will be a great resource for you. All right. Our family's adding another unit study. I'm going to do the cooking family unit study. (laughs) Holly, this was such a great conversation. I took away so much from it. Um, your family is so beautiful. Thank you for just being real and vulnerable and, um, letting us know that, that we can do it too. Is there any final thoughts that you would give a mom that's maybe struggling with all, all her kids right now or anything that you would, you would want to close with? Um, I would say, take your struggles to the Lord. Um, he, he makes up where we lack. So true. He makes up where we lack and he gives grace where we need it. And there's been so much fruit of, of just letting the Lord do so much in my family. And, Um, and I'm so thankful for all that he's done and thank you for so much for the opportunity to be here. And it's been such a great time to chat with you. It was really fun. And we'll have to have Holly back on. We'll do a full cooking. We'll do a full cooking podcast. All right. Thank you, Holly. And we'll see you guys next week.